0: Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing.
1: We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to.
2: Hit me. Fine. How do <laughs> you
1: We have a great show of a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems
2: to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbonno! It's all about the Charbono, dude!
0: Succulent fish, what? He ate 50 before we learn. Oh listen, Laverni, it's a beast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Top men. <laughs>
0: All right, welcome to the second hour. It is the Barbecue Central Show, and we talk about all the important stuff. Still to come on the show this evening, Michael Berard from the Rocket Fire Torch, and Michael Grunwald after him, senior writer over at Canary Media. We say good evening to those of you watching through Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show or over on YouTube youtube.com slash at bbq central show the youtube poll question of the week is this do you believe any pellet grill could last 100 years yes or no and currently 77 percent of you are saying no that's at least 20 percent light 23 percent of you believe a pellet grill can last 100 years let me give you a break Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, taking you to episode 299, if you can believe it. One short of 300, which is a lot. September 29th, 2015, the owner of Southside Market and Barbecue, Brian Bracewell, was my guest back then. Some of you might know that Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas, Elgin, Texas, to be exact. And Brian talks about the beginnings of Southside, the past owners, and then how his family bought into it 47 years later. This was back in 2015, so advanced that by eight years, so 55 years ago. And how they've grown the business into what it is today, which is continuing to be barbecue juggernaut. Of course, everybody loves the sausage out there at Southside. And we also talked about his then-trip to Japan And how barbecue was being leveraged at that time to increase the export of American beef to Japan. At that time, barbecue was a big driver in that part of the business. Brian was brought over to showcase American style barbecue along with American beef being the product to make that barbecue. Very interesting conversation, especially since some of the best cuts of meat that you can get anywhere in the globe are coming from Japan both then and now. So don't forget you have to subscribe to the show podcast feed in order to get the best of, and you can do that by going to the slash subscribe. Don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that has been lost in the archives, email john, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com. Let them know you would like to hear Uh, Don't forget, coming up in 11 days from now in Hartville, Ohio, we have the Grill Fest 2023. A full day of fun and frivolity and business and nonsense and hoodwinkedness. No hoodwinkedness. But there will be a whole bunch of really great live demos that are going to be going on. There's going to be a really great MC the whole day. On the big green egg side of things, Captain Ron is going to be demoing live on the Weber side of things, of course. Our guest last week, Mike Lang from Another Pint Please. And on the Traeger side, who's been there for years and years, a crowd favorite, the inevitable DivaQ, Danielle Bennett. And as I had mentioned just a few minutes ago, I will be your MC throughout the course of the day. So I'll be interacting with the live demo talent, asking questions, this and that, and then we'll also be telling you about special deals. If you're looking for a deal on a big green egg, a Weber or a Traeger, there's a competition that's taking place. And the units, I think seven of each are being used. So after that's all said and done, they're going to be available for sale at a discount because they've already been used. So if you're looking for an egg or Weber or whatever Traeger model that they're selling there and you want it at a discount, you don't mind that it's been used once and only once. I mean, that way, you know, it works then you're going to want to take part in the Hartville Hardware Grill Fest. Fun day of competition, learning, but most of all, huge deals on everything that's in the barbecue and grilling section. And there will be representatives from many of the brands there to help answer your questions, make sure you're buying what's best for you. As I had mentioned or asked Robert Moss last segment, was he familiar or would he pay 60 bucks for an online streaming platform to get access to the most prominent barbecue and grilling personalities. Well, if you're someone who loves consuming videos by such stars as Brad Robinson, Chud, Mad Scientist Barbecue, Jeremy Yoder, Matt Gork, and a bunch of others, then you might want to check out Ember's TV. Just launched a couple days ago, and I am chasing Brad Robinson to discuss this. Now actually Matt Gork is going to be a guest on this show sooner than later. He's actually signed up through the calendar so between one or both of them and I haven't heard back from Brad which is not usually the case but maybe he's busy producing new content for this platform. But we'll talk to one or the other about it and see what it, the uh, the is about. So there you go. Now we're caught up Michael Berard from Fire Rocket Torch will be coming here shortly. We talked to you quickly about Franklin's Barbecue Pits, newest sponsor of the show. For the barbecue purist who wants to take their craft to the next level, skillfully made by hand right here in the States with all American steel, built to last, built with purpose. What do you have with the Franklin Pit is a deeply thought out and refined version of the old propane-style cooker at Aaron's restaurant. Stylistically, it reflects the bare-bones, industrial, handmade aesthetic that he loves. As in the patina and the way the build allows you to see the welds and the craftsmanship. Now, the schematics of a Texas off-style barbecue pit are relatively simple. Even if the things that are happening inside are complicated... Dynamics of physics, chemistry, all that smart stuff. There are a few moving parts here, but there are numerous and massive differences between the Franklin pit and the average everyday barbecue smoker you can get at a big box store. For one thing, the challenge of building and shipping these pits come with the thickness and the heaviness of the material, but that's where the value lies as well. Cheap smokers are made from thin metal, which tend to warm and crack when they're under the large sustained heat builds. But you need that to make great barbecue, especially on cold days. That thin metal quickly sheds the heat. Simply struggle to maintain constant temperatures. That's frustrating. The Franklin Barbecue Pit made with 5 16th and quarter inch thick steel made here in America. In a word that's strong. Anything that sees heat has been engineered to be incredibly solid. And should last a century or more if cared for properly. And you can't overstate how important the thickness of the steel is. Guarantees professional-grade heat retention. Key to producing good barbecue. Every Franklin barbecue pit, unique unto itself. The patina, natural markings, even its very own badge number. Franklin pits can be found at fine barbecue specialty stores in select regions of the country. So, if you're a fan of this show and you happen to have such a store... And you wish to become a dealer, please visit franklinbbqpits.com. Fill out their dealer form. If you're a fan of the show, you want to own a pit, you don't have a certified dealer nearby, you can go to franklinbbqpit.com and purchase a pit right there on the website. Franklin's will ship that pit right to your driveway. If you have any other questions along the way, make sure you use the contact up the contact us link at the bottom of the website remember our pal west wright has one from cookoutnews.com and he loves it franklinbbqpits.com that's franklinbbqpits.com and we're back with michael Barard right after this stick around we'll be right back
2: you're listening to the barbecue central show Stern, Jim Rohn, Dan Patrick, and Craig Rampey, the Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show.
0: Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show tonight being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique cooking devices out there on the market today. The deal is still going on. If you're looking to get a huge deal, like more than half off the PBX, the biggest one that they sell, uh, write in an email to Pit Barrel Cooker and tell them you want the PBX deal. I believe the code was PBX USA a number of weeks ago, but I know the deal's still going on. I know they still have them. So write in or tweet at them or direct message them and tell them you heard about the deal here on the Barbecue Central Show and they will get you hooked up, no doubt about it. And it's shipped to your door for like $2.99, so super cheap. Gang, you hear it here all the time. I would use charcoal more if it wasn't so dirty and more than that, if it wasn't so hard to light. My guest in the second hour has heard your cries and is offering a solution among some of the other options that already exist in the market. He can't help with the dirty part of the charcoal, but he can help with the lighting part of it. We welcome the creator of the Rocket Fire Torch. And first timer on this show, Michael Berard. Join me. Hey, Michael, how are you tonight? Hey, Greg, how are you doing? I'm absolutely fabulous. Before we get into talking about the rocket fire and the Genesis and all that stuff, we have a YouTube poll question of the week. We're asking everybody this question Do you believe that any pellet cook could last 100 years, yes or no?
3: I'm going to give you a quicker answer than Meathead no.
0: It was almost as fast as Robert Moss, who was right on the no, uh, but we're sitting at right about 77% in agreement that no pellet cookers are not going to be lasting 100 years. I just don't see how that could happen, but you never know. Um, yeah, modern, modern electronics. Yeah, I mean, that's, gonna hold up. that's the only thing that is immediately putting me to no with all of the moving parts and all the electronics. It's almost like buying a phone in a year or two. I mean, look, the, the, the Green Mountain Grill that I have uh, out in my backyard is probably going on eight or nine years old. still works really well. And the Traeger Timberline 850, which was like version one when that first came out a handful of years ago, still works. I certainly don't see myself having that 20 years from now, let alone 90 years from now, because technology will have changed and it'll just get to a point where you want to update. So you'll just get rid of that one to buy the new one where on an offset pit, I can see that lasting a hundred years because I mean, it's really just a bunch of steel.
3: Yeah, no, no doubt. But uh, I don't even think they use uh, lead and solder anymore. So those circuit boards are not going to hold up.
0: What's your background
3: professionally? Uh, my, well, my background professionally is a uh, financial advisor. So I've been doing that for 31 years.
0: How old a guy are you? Fifty-five. So double nickel. You do something like out of college or something like that first before you got into financial planning I mean 31 years is a long know, time.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I I started right out out of college oh. and um yeah, it's uh it's a pretty good gig. It's a entrepreneurial gig and and uh, kind of run my own show and good people, great relationships. What should we be investing in right now? It's a good question. Uh, you know, I am <laughs> i don't want to uh, turn anybody off, but I do think we're <laughs> going to have a little bit of a downturn at some point.
0: Oh. Yeah. Where does the genesis of Rocket Fire Torch come from? So back in, I'm gonna, I'll am take you kind of
3: through it yeah, quickly. Uh, back in 2016, uh, my good bud and I were, cooking on a green egg and talking about the fact that uh, it took so long to get it started. Um, You know, we had tried everything. We had tried uh, electric starters and chimney and uh, you name it. Um, And I just, uh, I felt like there had to be something better out there. Some, a better way to, to uh, light it, maybe something more fun. So, you know, that after that, I went home and drew up some plans and, took it to an engineering firm, and that was 2016. So, um, I'll take you. So, 2019, we we launched our first uh, Kickstarter campaign, and it bombed. You want, you, do you have any music or any anything that you can play for that? that yeah, it bombed. <laughs> it was pretty bad.
0: So, uh, Like, why did so it we bomb? Listened. What specifically made a tank? Yeah.
3: So, we were going to have our own fuel. Oh. <laughs> Um, the (laughs) torch itself was hooked onto a hose that was in, in that would go to the, uh, the fuel. And, um, we heard a lot of, of feedback. And so I, I stopped the Kickstarter right in the middle. I said, you know what? We got to go back and retool. And that's what we did. So 2021, we kick we, uh, did another Kickstarter raised over 200 K um, 2022, we delivered to our backers, and then 2023, we started uh, ads in April, and we sold slam out by July. Wow, it was quick. Yeah, uh, totally underestimated demand, and um, yeah, it's been good.
0: What fuel? were you going to be selling with the first version of this? Did you come up with some unique way of uh, firing a torch that nobody knew about that you could capture?
3: Yeah, it's uh, interesting. We had a fuel that was made out of of (laughs) Europe that was a, it's uh, safer. It's it's a, a foam form within the canister. And so you could turn it upside down. You could do whatever you want with it. And it was just much safer fuel. But, you know, people want to be able to get their fuel from home depot and Lowe's and ace and you know you name it they don't they don't want to or walmart they just want to be able to get the fuel
0: hmm. so was that the biggest nicks was the fact that uh you were going to be exclusive to the fuel you, you could you run out of it in the middle of a of a torch session and then you got to order it
3: no i i think the 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 bigger part of it was like okay i'm a my brand new company and what if i don't make it so then where, where yeah. do i get my no, fuel i got a
0: torch i can't i got to go to amazon europe right. to buy my fuel right oh. yeah that
3: it just it it was a bad idea but that, was, that, and and we we, we retooled Would so. that
0: have been expensive too i mean you're you would have to be importing fuel all the time
3: well we had a manufacturer that would make it up north so we oh. could have um, made it Yep, made it. And uh and, and it look, at some point it may be something that we look into, but but not not at the at the moment.
0: How long does it take to go well I guess it takes about three years to go from concept to getting it into a sellable product, more or less? Then? Yeah, yep.
3: you know it's uh <laughs> It's a. It takes a it takes a while to get a product on the market. Did it look like this yeah, that's in it. the beginning? That except looks, it had a hose
0: coming down here. No,
3: or? it looked. No. It looked like a, It looked like a lightsaber <laughs> from Star Wars. I. I mean, it really Me? did, and, and I liked it, but yeah, not everybody liked it. So, <laughs> um, and it wasn't ergonomic. It wasn't really set perfectly for for what we wanted. So, you know, the the new and improved model that we're, we're using now is is really set up for, I mean, it was designed and I know this is completely overused, but it was purpose built for a Kamado style grill. Huh? It just was. I mean, it's it, from the, the length of the wand, the bend in the wand, um, you know, it goes right in a Primo or a Kamado Joe or a big green egg Primo. straight down into the into the coals. Yeah. So it's a pr- perfect setup.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about firing it up and actual use and all that stuff here in a second. Aside from sure. like that initial fuel situation, maybe changing the shape, any other big issues getting this thing to market?
3: Oh man. Getting anything to market I think is tough. You know, from concept to actually getting on on the I mean, I don't know how many people fail at it, but it's it 's got to be really easy um, and you also have to get by get by the the wife you know you got to be able to work it by the wife yeah um, you know the money is going out and uh, she's wondering are we gonna ever get our money back from this <laughs> so uh, so there no there, there there are tons of challenges I mean you got you have safety challenges you have you know resource challenges yeah um, Obviously, we've had some inflation you know so the, the, the product uh, price is is different than what it would have been five years ago sure yeah but it's but otherwise uh, you know it's it's been a it's been a long road but we think that we have you know we've got some good legs here
0: how much does the 200k and Kickstarter subsidize whatever your like what was your overall sink into getting this thing up and running
3: Oh man, we're we're way underwater. I mean, that's I think <laughs> any new business is going to be like that. Um, but the 200K was was good. The 200K took care of uh, it. Was we had tw- over 2,000 backers, which was great. And so we shipped 2,200 and change um, units, and that paid for those. Hmm. Uh, Kickstarter campaign is not cheap, but it gives you the money upfront, so you don't have to go borrow it from friends and family. Yeah. So um, it got us going. And, and it also gave us kind of a, a platform to, to get more feedback from people. And we've had overwhelmingly positive uh, responses. It's, it's been really, really enjoyable.
0: Is this 100% direct-to-consumer at the moment, or are you also running through dealers?
3: uh no it's 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 100% um e-commerce at this point and but we have had a ton of of uh, interest in people wanting to sell it at their stores um we've got some big box interest uh we ha- we wanted to wait until we worked out all the kinks before we went to a bigger a larger platform and so we're there we're mm-hmm. we're at that place and so now it's you know, we're going to continue with e-commerce, but I think we'll start um, we'll start sending them out to stores uh, pretty quickly. Here
0: is the ultimate goal to get into uh, Home Depot or you know something along these lines, just from a, a mass appeal standpoint, or will you take smaller hardware chains or whoever has interest and wants to carry? Because then the way you're moving units.
3: Yeah, you know, there's a, there there are several ways to go about this, but I, I think that. For us, ultimately, we want to be in big box market. You know, that's that's where you get your exposure. We get out to more people. And you know, what we found is that when people buy this, they end up coming back and buying two or three more for their friends, family, for, you know, some kind of a, uh, Father's Day or Christmas or whatever. So we've, we've, we've been really successful once people try it. And I guess the the other thing is they're using it, you know, at a barbecue and people are seeing it. So it's, I'll give you a a quick example. Um, And this is not grilling, but a solo stove. Um, I remember, you know, we have a a Y guides here, which is like boys club, I guess. Um, And back in 2016, one guy had a solo stove at this, one of these big events. And 2017 Everybody had yeah. a solo stove. I mean, you know, you see it, you check it out, you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then you buy it. So a t- there's a tipping point somewhere here, and we, th- we think we'll make it at some point in the next two, three years.
0: For those listening, not watching, maybe after they're listening, they'll go back and watch this video feed. You paint us a picture on how this looks and how it operates. I'll go ahead and obviously hold it up here while you're talking us through.
3: Yeah, sure. It's uh, it has a. Uh, you know, this thing is built like a, I mean, a brick house. So it, it is very heavy. The handle, it is. It's it's pretty heavy. It's like three pounds. Uh, it has a handle with that you can screw on the, the canister or cylinder of propane. Um, it has a trigger. Has a um, a continuous fuel flow button. It has uh, adjustable flame control. And yep, exactly. And then and, it, and there's, there are a lot of internals here that I want to go into, um, but some things that we had to do over those five years to make it right uh, that just won't work it, without it. So at the end of the torch, uh, you, can, you can use the torch with or without a tip. So it's, a, it's kind of a unique modular design. So without the tip, you got a, like a 10-inch ten, ten flame. You can use it for whatever. I mean, people are using it to sear meat. They're using it for other, you know, to, to get rid of weeds or whatever else. That's not what we have it for, but they're using it. And they're also using that a lot of times to, to start a pizza oven. Um, so that is one way to do it. You can't really push that into the coals. But the tip, just the tip, the tip. Uh, I see a T-shirt is, coming uh, with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> is a uh, it's a stainless steel tip the thing is is flawless you screw it on it has a 60 degree flame through a triple flame that comes out of it and it can be directed it can be in- injected into the wood or charcoal pile so it allows it lo- allows it to to start the pile underneath as opposed to over top mm-hmm. So it's kind of a precision, more of a precision tool. But the, the key is that we're going to be coming out with new tips in the future. We already have uh, some suggestions and, you know, people that want, you know, that, that have pizza ovens and they want a flame that's a different type of flame. Hmm. So we're going to be looking at that in the future.
0: Uh, fuel to operate is just propane cans that you can get at any hardware. store. Yeah. Map gas or propane.
3: Uh, both are great. I like map gas. It's hotter. It's quicker. But um, propane is fantastic and it's cheap and you can buy it anywhere. Yeah, we listen, we wanted to, to, to make sure that we could light a fire fast. I mean, ultimately, you know, for us, it's spend more time with the family, get the, get the grill going, and then spend, spend more time with the family.
0: I have a, a weed burner that I got from Harbor Freight. So I have a hose that connects to a 20 pound propane tank and this thing, I think it's like a 758 billion BTUs or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. But when I put it into the cooker, it'll go out. So if I have this thing, you're talking about burying it in the coals and then I start it, this thing isn't going to go out? Doesn't it need oxygen?
3: Yeah, it, it sucks oxygen, but probably not as much as is your Harbor Freight. Um, so yeah, we, we recommend anybody that's, that's using it in like a deep- um you know like a be bigger an egg or a, even a solar stuff something like that you got to have the vents open you got to have as much air airflow as you possibly can mm-hmm. so people will, you'll get used to it and, and you'll you'll kind of get a, a feel for where you need to stick stick this thing in um for it to work the right way uh
0: could you is there an adapter for hooking up to a bigger tank or is that not in the works
3: here, here's the thing with that. There are adap- there are adapters on the market. Um, oh. We don't. We haven't tested it. So this thing is UL tested. So it's United Labs tested. You know we went ab- kind of above and beyond to get it safety tested. I've got two kids, eleven, a ten and twelve year old. We wanted to make sure it was right and mm. and uh, the quality and the and the uh, safety was you know, paramount for us so um saying that i'm there are people that are using it like that but we don't necessarily recommend it Um, it just hasn't been tested with that kind of pressure
0: why do i want to spend 145 bucks on this compared to a chimney starter and some plastic cubes
3: uh well that's a good question And, and let me tell you chimney starter is tried and true right I mean, you're not going to go wrong with a chimney starter and you're not going to go wrong with with the cubes either. Um, But the rocket fire is built specifically to light a grill, a charcoal grill or a fire pit. It is not um, it's not something that was built for something else. It is built directly for that purpose. And so we have it set up. It's it's fast. It's faster than. You know some of these other starters out there it's faster than uh, a chimney um ultimately, but the chi- you know the chimneys it's a a lot of people use a chimney 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 starter folks may or may not be our clients you know this thing is fun the rocket fire is fun it makes you basically the envy of the neighborhood you know you shoot- you you start this thing up you hear rocket flames <laughs> rocket fire people are like what's that so it works uh, it, it works pretty well. Look, we got great customer service. Any issues whatsoever, we take care of people. Um, you know, We're a startup company, and we're going to make sure that we stand behind the product.
0: Inventory is good. You can sell them as quickly as we can order. Uh, inventory is out.
3: We're completely sold out. We've got new inventory <laughs> coming in. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, we uh, Again, we totally under, underestimated demand. Wow. Um And so we sold out on Amazon. We sold out on our website. Just, I mean, we had to slow things down. We had to stop advertising um, because we wanted it, you know, to at least uh, have some in July. Hmm. So um, we've got a a shipment, small shipment coming in in October. And then we got a large shipment coming in November. And we actually have designed a storage case. Um, So we've got a storage case coming. It's a thermal line storage case, it can handle the the tip heat, uh, which gets really hot. And so the, so the storage case is, you know, it's got a it's vegan leather and it's got it's thermal lined and, and it can be locked. Yep. So you can put a padlock on it and keep it away from the kids.
0: If you're interested, rocketfiretorch.com is the website. Is there a, like a waiting list or an alert once they're back in stock or... How does that work?
3: Yeah, there's. A, you can get on a waiting list. You can pre-order if you want. Oh. Um, the pre-orders will get uh, some of this uh, small shipment that's coming in in October. But look, we're, we're going to take care of you. These are all new units. They're all improved units coming in um, in October, November.
0: Do you want me to send this one back to you so you can sell it?
3: No, nah, I want you to use it.
0: Yes, that's a great answer. <laughs> Thank goodness. I would, I'd, I'd send it back, but uh, yeah, it mean, might be better in my hands. Uh, rocketfiretorch.com is the website we're talking with Michael Berard. Michael, appreciate the time tonight and continued success. Thanks for
3: having me, Greg. Take, Take care. care.
0: They are hot. No pun intended. So you can use it uh, with or without the tip. Tip has the Jets. And without the tip, he, I think he said a 10-inch flame. Wow. Rocketfiretorch.com. Michael Grunwald is in the green room getting ready to talk about self-cultivated meat and ore. Listen up, gang. Our friends at Big Papa Smokers have something special just for you, listeners of the show. Whether you're a seasoned pit master or grilling newbie, Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop shop for all things barbecue, from the championship rubs, mouth-watering sauces, essential accessories, they've got what you need to take your food to the next level. Whether you're on the competition circuit or in your own backyard, here's the cherry on top. Big Papa Smokers offering the listeners of the Barbecue Central Show an exclusive deal. Using the promo code, my last name, REMPE, R-E-M-P-E at checkout, you get $10 off a $50 purchase of rubs, sauces, or accessories. That's 20%. Imagine the possibilities. Evaluating your ribs with Big Papa Smoker's Sweet Money Rub, one of my favorites. Or add Big Papa's Desert Gold to your chicken or asparagus, Or better yet. Pick up Big Papa's Double Secret Steak and add that to your steak. Head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and start your shopping today. And don't forget to use promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, at checkout to claim your $10 off your next order of $50 or more. Also, don't forget to check out Big Papa's full line of recipes at CookingWithBigPapa.com. And, of course, follow them on all the social media platforms. We're back with Mike Grunwald right after this. Stick
2: around. Be right back. You're listening to The Barbecue Central Show. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rampey.
0: And we thank Mike Ferrard for joining us last segment, Rocket Fire Torch. RocketFireTorch.com, the website. Uh, it's been a topic on the show. The past few months, because it's something that's new, it's something that looks to buck the traditional ways of getting beef and meat to the market, but it's not a plant-based option. It's cellularly cultivated meat. A few weeks ago, we talked about it with a beef producer in Minnesota, Tom Remley, and tonight, we pick it up with someone who has been diligently following this trend for a while now. He's an award-winning journalist, best-selling author, who's currently writing a column for uh, food and climate for Canary Media, and he's also writing the book Feed the World Without Frying the World. He's also won a George Polk Award for national reporting, a Worth Bingham Prize for investigative reporting. He's graduated from Harvard for crying out. What's he doing on this show? We welcome, first time to the show, Mike Grunwald. Hey, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, Greg. Appreciate you joining the show. Before we get into the topic tonight, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody Do you believe that any pellet grill would last 100 years, yes or
1: no? You asking me? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Uh, Sure. Sure, Sure. why not? All right. Well, you
0: are certainly in the minority (laughs) thought there, with 24% of the voting public saying yes, they believe a pellet cooker. Last a 100 years. Uh, Me personally, no way. There's a lot of electronics in there, which I think makes 100 years of life pretty unattainable. But uh, we'll see how the rest of the show goes here in the voting. A quick background on you and how you got to where you are today, Mike.
1: Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a dork journalist, write a lot about policy. I was at The Washington Post and Time magazine, and then I was at Politico magazine for a while. And I've written a lot about climate change. Um, but uh, always about energy, um, you know, so followed fossil fuels, but also, you know, the sort of revolution and wind and solar and electric vehicles. And uh, honestly, I was I was writing a, a magazine story about how um, about my own life in the uh, in the new green economy because I got solar panels and an and an electric car and I was writing about the sort of pros and cons of it and I had some throwaway line about basically how I wasn't doing it because I was some kind of uh, you know eco saint that I was more a kind of eco mercenary uh, taking advantage of how cheap uh, solar had gotten and that I didn't like paying for gas and uh, and so I had this line about you know kind of a throwaway line about how you know i i'm not like line drying my laundry i'm uh, i'm still eating meat and then i uh, i realized like huh i don't even know if meat is actually bad for the climate and then i realized well if i don't know that <laughs> then probably a lot of people don't and uh, and that's what sort of um Really led me onto this journey into the the food system, which is a third of you know it's not as bad a problem as fossil fuels and the and our energy problem, but it's like a third of a third of the climate problem. And uh, and it turns out that yes, meat and particularly beef is uh, is a huge part of our carbon and methane and nitrous oxide emissions that uh that are heating up the planet. Um. So you know. So yeah. And so so. I think your interest in, in cult- cultivated meat is is right on point because it's certainly, you know, you're starting to hear about it. There are a couple mm-hmm. of U.S. restaurants now serving yep. it for the first time. Um, you know, it obviously has not gone mainstream. And, you know, spoiler alert, it won't go mainstream anytime soon. But I think when people talk about what are some of the long-term solutions, it's definitely on the table.
0: How much harder is it to be a journalist now, Compared to 20 years ago. Uh, In other words, you can be simply and quickly discounted by people saying, I don't believe that alternative truths seem to be everywhere. They have a firm place in society
1: right now. Uh, Would it have been easier to do this 20, 30 years ago? Oh, Jesus, you got a half an hour? (laughs) I mean, uh, yes, would be the short. Yeah, no, I mean, I think everybody talks about how uh journalism sucks, and we certainly do have a problem on the on the supply side, but I think there's a real problem on the demand side too, which uh, you know, people are looking for ammunition, not information. And for, you know, nerds like me who have spent now, God, I'm so old, 30 years uh writing about What, you know, slightly complex public policy to try to explain it to people. Um, People don't want stuff explained to them anymore. They just want their kind of political erogenous zones massaged. And uh, and I'm not so good at that.
0: (laughs) Before we get into the specific cell cultivated stuff um, or, or alternate proteins, let's talk about an overarching issue you wrote in an article this past January, which was the general public's aversion to technology in their food um, for an otherwise tech crazy public nationally and globally for that matter. Why the aversion to food tech as you call it?
1: Yeah, I mean I think you hear about a lot with GMOs, right? And um and uh, and now certainly with the plant-based meat, right? It's fake meat, now cell cell meat, people are calling it lab-grown meat yep. even though, you know, it won't be grown in a lab. And I do think there's a feeling that, you know, food is somehow natural and uh and that, you know, anything having to do with technology is icky. But of course, you know, we've been breeding plants since you know gregor mendel in the you know in the austro-hungarian empire and uh and a lot of these technologies are going to be really important because the basic problem as you mentioned i'm writing a book about how to feed the world without frying the world and we've got this basic problem where you know we're going to need 50% 50% more calories by 2050, um, but we're gonna have to do it with probably 75% less carbon emissions and no more land. So we're gonna have to make a lot more food with a lot less land, and that is gonna take technology. And of course, you gotta be careful about it. You don't, you know, there are always unintended consequences and you want these things to be properly tested and vetted. Um, but if you're just gonna, you know, stick your fingers in your ears and say, la, 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 I don't want technology, I mean, you know, the modern cow is a technology, too. Um, And, uh, you know, it's not that natural. It's, uh, you know, it's been bred to be much more efficient than it used to be. That's true of, you know, chickens and pigs, too. Um, And in many ways, that's, uh, you know, the climate would be in a lot more trouble if we hadn't done that. Um, So I just think... uh, I was definitely making the case, and I used cell, cell meat as an example, that, uh, you know, we shouldn't just be turning up our noses and saying, you know, I'm not going to put technology in our mouth because we do it every day.
0: Before we talk extensively about the cell stuff, let's take a look at some of the other heralded change agents that are now more or less getting shit on. Most recently, it's been plant-based <laughs> meats. It's very hot takey to write them off at this point, but… What's your take on the two big options in the market, that being impossible and beyond, and where they really are in their life cycle?
1: Well, it's funny. Uh... I mean, this is back in 2019 when, when you know, plant-based meat was going to take over the world and the hype was completely out of control. I was kind of, that was when I was really just starting to work on this stuff. And I was like, yeah, it seems like a, a little bit crazy. And now that, as you said, everybody is, you know, we're beyond impossible. It's all like, you know, everybody, everything's going to hell. I feel like a little bit of the gloom and doom has gotten out of control. I mean, the fact is like beyond meat, it was in 2019, it went public. It was the biggest, still the biggest popping IPO of the 21st century. It has not been surpassed. At one point, it had a market value that was one third of Tyson's. And it was like, it made no sense. It was absolutely absurd. And now they've lost 95% of their Mm -hmm. market value. And they're at like, they're like an $800 million company. Which, you know, 10 years ago, you would have said, that's really impressive. Yeah. Now, look, I mean, I think, impossible. personally, I think Impossible has a really impressive technology. I think they've, uh, in many ways, their burgers are really quite good. Um, I've, t- and I've, I love the CEO of Beyond, but I've told him I just don't like those burgers. I think they smell like piss on the grill. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I just, you know, they still have those, they're made of peas rather than soy and they have that pea off taste. So I'm not crazy about it, but they're obviously, these are not your, you know, those hockey puck veggie burgers yep. of the, uh, you know, of 20 years ago. And this industry is only like, you know, 10, 12 years old, it's going to get a lot better while, you know, the cow is a pretty mature technology. So I'm pretty bullish about it long term, um, in large part because of these climate issues where you have, you know, particularly beef burgers, beef steak, you know, we're, uh, if, if we switched, you know, the average American eats three burgers a week, the equivalent in, in meat. And if you switched one a week to an impossible burger, you would save a land area the size of Massachusetts every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, beef has an extraordinary, you know, not just people talk about the burping and farting cows and that has some impact and the manure has a lot of environmental impact too, but it's mostly the land. And, um, you know, right now, a third of the earth, third of the terrestrial earth, the arable land is, uh, has cows on it. And, um, you know, and right now the world is kind of split 50, 50 between, uh, between, nature and farms and uh the more farms you have the less nature and that's carbon going up into the atmosphere so i think there's going to be a lot of pressure particularly things like uh you know chicken nuggets that are really not that hard to do impossible already has good ones even Gardein has has you know it's just a vehicle for sauce i think those are going to get really popular popular fast um things like steak you know, pork tenderloin, um, you know, some of the awesome barbecue that you talk about in your show, I think that's gonna be a lot harder getting that marbling, getting those complex flavors. And uh and that's where and so cell cell meat comes in. Um, you know, I think there's at least more of a chance that you're gonna to get to to some of those You know, they call them the whole cuts as opposed to just the homogenized, uh, you know, nuggets, sausages, the kind of thing that are uh, that are a lot easier to to copy with plants.
0: When I was talking about plant based meat here over the last couple of years, uh, I would tell people, look, eat it if you want, but don't think that you are making yourself into a healthier human because you're eating plant based meat. There's a lot of uh, processing that goes on here or this would be, to me, the the a textbook definition of what processed food is. But is it not that big of a deal, really?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think, you know, part of the gloom and doom of of this plant based meat industry have been people suddenly saying like, ah, nobody's going to ever eat this. It's processed food. I'm kind of like, I don't know. Americans seem to like processed food. <laughs> like, I wouldn't write it off because of that. Now, you're absolutely right. It's not health food. You're not eating kale, right? This is, you know, these, uh, these aren't lentils. Um, but, uh, the evidence so far, and it's early, is that, you know, it has no cholesterol. It has uh, no saturated fats, it seems like it's ba- and it 's pretty comparable to to eating meat um, you know which particularly beef uh, red meat has some some health issues of its own, but certainly you should not be fooling yourself that you know mm. that if you 're eating two impossible burgers a day you're like you know some kind of uh, organic vegetarian um, I do think, you know, some of the, there are some people who are going to say it's processed, so I don't like it. But, uh, you know, what goes on inside a cow, that's a process too. Um, and, uh, and what happens in some of these factory farms is, uh, is a process that, uh, that a lot of people are not crazy about. Mm. Um, so I do think as people pay more attention to where their food is coming from, uh, some people will be, will be turned off by, by the, uh, you know, the process nature that it's being made with an extruder instead of an animal. Um, but, uh, but personally, I, you know, that's, that's not what bothers me. I think the problem right now is that for the most part, it doesn't taste as good and uh, it's not as cheap. Um, once, once they solve that, then suddenly I think you're going to see people getting over their aversion to, you know, oh I would never eat that. It's processed.
0: So let's dig into the sell cultivated meat stuff. Can you give us a little history lesson on where this has started and of course, where it currently sits in viability right now?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, the, we're actually, we're just about exactly 10 years out from the first um, cultivated burger. At the time they were, they, were, they were calling it in vitro meat, right? Uh, Schmeet <laughs> I <laughs> heard it. Uh, it was called. Uh, they didn't know what to call cell based meat, lab grown meat, um, and uh, it was unveiled by a, a company now called Mosa Meat, uh, guy in Amsterdam, and um, and it was great. you know they said it tasted pretty good. It wasn't. It didn't have fat, but it was like little pieces of muscle that they sort of mushed together. Um, you know, it was pretty good. The one problem was it that that one five ounce burger cost three hundred and thirty thousand dollars to make. So not really a viable business um today you know in just 10 years it has come a very long way you've got a couple hundred of these uh companies around the world making this stuff um You've got a couple of them building some really big factories to try to try to do it at scale. You've got two companies approved for sale in the United States. Um, just the company that makes eggs. They're now they have a subsidiary called Good Meat. Uh they're selling in a Jose Andres restaurant in in Washington. And then Upside Foods uh is selling in a restaurant in San Francisco. I'm actually gonna go see them next week. Mm. And um and it's, you know, they've come a long way. Now, uh, you know, they're in the hundreds of dollars a pound. Uh, some may have, you know, just seems to be even a little bit below that. They're talking about getting to, you know, 10 $20 a pound in Oof. the relative future. But they've still, you know, they're still not competitive. Uh, this is, they're not ready for prime time. And, you know, they're selling, you know, Upside has a factory that's right now making 50,000 pounds of, cultivated meat a year, which is right now the biggest factory in operation. The world eats 350 million tons of meat a year. Wow! So, you know, a ways to go.
0: <laughs> we know in the typical process, cows, chickens, pigs, etc. are getting marched into some type of facility, murdered in cold blood, uh, getting down with cell cultivated meat, in theory. Could put an end to all of that, but I don't know what the process of cell cultivation is. And is there any harm that becomes the animal that's donating?
1: Uh, no, basically, um, they, they take a biopsy to get the original stem cells from, from the animal, um, pretty harmless, probably, but you know, most of these companies, they'll, uh, they, they have their original chicken or their original pig that they took their original biopsy from. And, you know, they, they brag about how that pig is now living a lovely life on the, the farm upstate. <laughs> I don't know, don't know, um, but, um, but uh now some of these companies so that so that they they then develop these cell lines, um which are you know essential because remember, I mean part of the problem with growing an, an animal, right, growing a cow is that it's very inefficient, right? You just wanna you just wanna grow a chicken breast or you just wanna, you know, grow a, a steak, but you've gotta grow, you know, Tail and hooves and a respiratory system and a reproductive system and all kinds of stuff that aren't meat. Um, you know, for a chicken, you're growing feathers and beaks and brains and, uh, you know, and again, and, and clucking and, you know, they, they do all kinds of things that don't make meat. This idea is we're just going to grow the meat. Yeah. Um, so it ought to be more efficient and you put it in a fermenter and you basically feed it starch, right? And you have to it, sugars and amino acids. One problem is that, uh, for some of these companies have been feeding them and their growth, their sort of growth factors, they've been feeding them, uh, like fetal, the the fetal bovine, uh, serum, which is, uh, actually does come from an animal. And that was kind of uncool, um, for a lot of the vegans in this world, but, they're mostly moving past that. But the basic problem is that it's a very expensive process right mm-hmm. now. The, the, that growth media, the stuff they feed the, the cells is very expensive. Um, they're trying to work out how to do these these fermenters these bioreactors because you've got a this is something that pharmaceutical industry has been doing for years like and they make you know the rennet uh, you know for cheese uh the insulin for treating diabetes um this is all stuff that you do in this kind of bioreactor but it has to be very sterile and it's okay because insulin is really expensive right or growing say you know growing a human heart uh cell like you know people will pay a lot of money for this yeah to try to do it food grade is going to be a real challenge. Um, and uh, the costs are coming way, way down, but they're nowhere near where they need to be. And I think that's really the challenge. Um, some people say, oh, it's, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it might not be as environmentally friendly as people say. It might end up using a lot of energy. I really think those are, like, those are not going to be big problems. The problem is, can you get it to scale? And that means, can you get it cheap?
0: Yeah, so that was part of my talking point last week in my monologue about this was, to me, there's two points to clear. Uh, The second point, uh, which is the one we've been referencing on and off during the conversation, is cost and what's that going to look like. But the first hurdle to me was taste and aesthetic. Are we clearing that hurdle?
1: So it's funny I have had some uh some some of the cultivated meat I've been lucky enough to try some. I tried it uh, at at good meat. I've tried their chicken um and it tastes like chicken because it's chicken right it's made from a chicken cells now it's not exactly the same um i had like a nugget that was you know that they nailed it but you know nuggets i've had plant-based nuggets that nail it too um i had some i guess you know you would call it chicken breast although of course it's not coming from like breast cells they're just it's uh you know i asked i asked the i asked the chef i was like is this a a breast or a thigh and he was like yeah <laughs> yeah. um, it is chicken. But, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. It's chicken. Um, I found it, but I found the, they, they did a, they did me a, a, a chicken breast type thing, you know, sort of grilled um, that was really good, but soft. It was like a little didn't have quite that chew and bite that uh, that you'd expect. Um, and then I tried; uh, they made a fried version, mm. and there the actual meat tasted really good. And then they said to me, "They were like, we made you some, we made you some skin too, but it's not ready yet." And it was oh. it was like a joke. The skin it was like it was like kind of like a chickeny potato chip kind of. It just uh, it it was not there. Um, but I've had uh, I've had cultivated sushi that was uh, really good. Um, I've had a, I had a, a meatball made by a company called Mission Barnes, um, that was sort of 90% plant based and then with 10% animal fat, cultivated fat, hmm. um, because, uh, fat cells are actually easier to grow because when you think about it, like muscles, our muscles do more, right? While fat just kind of sits there. So it's easier to grow and fat is part of what, really makes meat so tasty. Yeah. Um, so what they're doing is they think, you know, since their expensive part is uh, only 10% of of their meatball, um, and that tasted like a meatball, I was pretty impressed. Um, uh, even though it was only, you know, that fat clearly makes a big difference. Um, so I think you're going to start seeing some of those blended products, um, maybe a little bit before you start to see just pure meat. But, you know, people are trying to do this with reading, they're trying to, To do the crisper, you know, gene editing um, to try to make it, you know, basically make it grow faster. Um, There are going to be a lot of different ways to, you know, take bites at this apple. Um, And all of them are basically sort of how can we how can we make it cheaper? Because I think the taste is not as big a hurdle as it is for plant based because you're dealing with the real thing.
0: When you're tasting those cell cultivated meats. Maybe this is impossible to do, but can you extract yourself out of your tasting and say, am I saying it tastes good because they're showcasing it for me and it's a great environment? like Going to a fancy restaurant, maybe the food wasn't really that good, but everything else about it was romance and sexy and all this stuff, so it enhances the flavor. Is Is there some of that for you?
1: It's possible. I mean, I think I do have a little bit of credibility on this because I really have like, I mean, I, I always tell the CEO, I usually am eating it right in front of them. And I tell them in advance, I'm like, I just have to warn you. I'm really <laughs> sorry. I'm going to give you an honest reaction because I might end up writing about this. Yeah. And I don't want to like tell you it was good and then write it was crap. Um, so, um and I have told some of them like, yeah, I don't like this at all, oh. um, and uh, you know I try to be vaguely polite about it. Although I guess a little bit less with Ethan Brown of Beyond, who I I did tell him that it it smelled like piss on the grill. <laughs> and I told him it. I, I was like, well, in fairness, though, um, you did kind of nail that uh, that kind of not so fresh feeling that I get from eating beef. And he was like, yeah, that doesn't make me feel a lot better. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> um, but so yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to know, but I think you know, there's something about meat, right? I mean, you, you know, this a million times better than me. Um, but, uh, you know, there's something that goes ding in your brain, right? Yep. There's like, uh, there's, uh, it sets off some kind of pheromone um, that I think one thing that was exciting about some of these early plant-based meats where it was like, God, this at least and it kind of has that mouthfeel at least kind of it's reminiscent of meat as opposed to these like ridiculous veggie burgers that, of the past where yeah. it was just like oh come on this is ridiculous and i've tasted like i had some plant-based bacon where i actually told the guy i was like you cannot be serious <laughs> i mean so but i think this this stuff has all cleared a certain hurdle Um, where it's like, okay, we're in the ballpark and with, I feel like with a lot of the, the cultivated meat more so, so far than the plant meat, it does, you get a little bit of that ding where it's like, okay, that's meat. Um, and you know, I'm sure they're like, you know, they have their good chef putting it with, you know, I, I try to eat it without sauce, um, so that I have an honest reaction, but, um. I do think that uh, that, that is not going to be the biggest hurdle. You know, there might be a little bit of people with the ick factor of our technology um, and cost and scale is going to be really hard because as I said, they've got to increase about like, you know, a thousand X before they're even noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, really more like a hundred thousand X. Um, but uh but yeah, I think taste, you know, because they're dealing with actual cells um, that grow into actual meat, um, that I think is uh, is exciting. And, and a lot of these guys believe that plant-based will never quite get over that hurdle, mm-hmm. particularly for a steak, um, that, you know, that they're just people are going to want the meat. Um, and so that's why, like, you know, like... Um, Uma Valedi, who runs Upside Meat, who was a, you know, who was a cardiologist. Um He was invested in Beyond and Impossible, but he still decided he had to do this because, you know, there's, you know, you're not going to, just plant-based burgers are not going to solve this problem of, you know, 350 million tons of meat going towards 500 and by 2050. Um, and, you know, just, they're, there ain't enough land on the planet for, uh, for all them cows. Um, so, so this is, this is one way of getting around it. And I think there's also this idea that, you know, sort of vegans yelling at people and saying like, you know, meat is murder. You suck. Like that's not going to fix it either. Um, like we've seen with energy, we've seen like, you know, solar was absolutely nothing until it got cheap. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Electric vehicles, Nobody even looked at them until they were cool, until they were good and, you know, getting cheaper. And I think to get any sorts of, sort of scale, that's going to happen. But the good news is once it, you know, maybe not so good news for the people who may, you know, people in, in working in animal agriculture, but you can see with some of this renewable energy that once it hits a certain tipping point, it can grow fast.
0: Uh, last question before I let you go and appreciate the time. Yeah. And I'm asking you to look in the crystal ball of the future here. When would you see this becoming price competitive? I'm not talking about chicken being $20 a pound. That's not price competitive. Where do you see it coming in at uh, five bucks a pound or $3 a pound, something like that?
1: The cell-based or yeah. all of it? Yeah, the cell-based stuff. Like um, the
0: plant-based stuff, I'm not worried about. That, that's, uh, as you said, that's always going to be a tougher hurdle across for my audience at least. But the cell-based stuff, you can't argue with the fact that it's not you know, a, a meat of some yeah. type because it's coming from the animal.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not fake meat, it's right? Meat. right. Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I look. I think plant based meat will get better too, uh, particularly the uh, you know the the easier cuts. Um, but I would say, you know, if you were going to put a gun to my head, I would say not before twenty thirty five uh, will cultivated meat oh. be uh, in the ballpark of cost competitive. That's true. But people in the industry say, you know, say they can do it faster. Um, and, and I do think because of what you're seeing with CRISPR, with some of these, you know, I, I, I try not to bet against technology. Like I've got this thing here in my pocket (laughs) that, uh, you know, like if 10 years ago, you had told me like, oh yeah, you're going to carry it around. It's got all the world's knowledge. Um, it's, you know, it can take pictures and videos and it's got a flashlight, (laughs) you know, I would have been like, uh, no. Um, so shit moves fast sometimes. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so I try not to just say like, there are a lot of people there and some scientists who say it just is not feasible to get this, you know, in any kind of cost competitive way, but I don't, I don't think that's true. And, and then just, uh, you know, I should mention that there is always the possibility as climate becomes a bigger problem. Um, and you are starting to see governments take more action about it. You know, just as you've seen on the coal side, where coal is now more expensive, um, it's not just solar getting cheaper, uh, but because of government re- regulations mm-hmm. are making, you know, the dirty stuff more expensive, you could start to see that happen with, uh, uh, you know, with, with beef as well. I mean, I do, a friend of mine is a pollster, and he once told me that... um that restrictions on meat are like by f- the least popular government <laughs> action that he has ever pulled. Wow. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting it any minute, but if there is some sort of, you know, price on carbon and emissions, you know, meat is, is a part of that. And meat could end up uh, paying the price, which would make it a slightly low, you know, lower bar for, uh, for cultivated meat to clear.
0: Mike Grunwald has said it all here this evening, given us quite the education about the plant-based alternatives and then obviously diving into the cell-based stuff as well. You can read the article that I had referenced over at canarymedia.com. If you're interested, I would certainly recommend that and getting over your fear of tech in your food and where the positives are a great article, certainly worth the read. Mike really appreciate the time tonight and hopefully as this progresses can have you back on as the expert, and we can learn a little about it uh, next time you're on.
1: I'd love to. When I finally finish this freaking book, you'll have to you know, come <laughs> Absolutely. back and talk to you about it. <laughs> All right. Appreciate the time. Right. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you, Greg.
0: Mike Grunwald right there. And uh, it's Canary Media, C-A-N-A-R-Y, media.com is the website. And the article is, uh, what was it called? It was like, uh, Afraid of Tech and Your Food, Get Over It. Um, Yeah, Afraid of High-Tech Food, Get Over It is the name of the article if you're looking for it. Definitely worth a read. You know me and reading, right? So I read the whole thing from start to finish, and it was uh, very enlightening. So we thank Mike Grunwald for joining us kept him extra because the information was good i don't know when i'm going to get my hands on an expert like that to go in depth like that so hopefully you're able to stick with it and you're able to get a different opinion and different insight on that part of the industry all the way back in the first hour was meathead from amazingribs.com talking about his explosive barbecue rub Robert Moss joined us after Meathead. We talked about the new Southern Living's Top 50 Barbecue list that is released now. If you want the direct link, go to robertfmoss.com and link over from there. Second hour to first-time guest, Mike Berard from rocketfiretorch.com. And closing out the show just now, Mike Runwald over at Canary Media. Writing a book called Feed the World Without Frying the World. Big show planned for you next week, third Tuesday of the month, so look forward to that. And then the Tuesday after that, on the 26th, in studio for the first time ever, Jason Baker, Green Mountain Grills, which is also going to co so it'll be much like Aaron Huntelman from last month. Jason will be right here. We'll have the 914 segment with Jason and all Jason. will have a Derek Riches sighting. Second hour, Jason's gonna sit in for the embedded correspondence. Like, it's gonna be great. We have a F load of assurity questions, and this keeps getting bigger. So, how do I always leave you? We know yesterday was September 11th, and I reiterate, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. 22 years ago yesterday. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host, the proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.
1: This is Marley Rempe, and you're listening to Barbecue
0: Central.